0: Already said best. This is the best best. The best ones aren't as good as you probably think they are. What is best in life? I did the best
1: I could. Doing my best. The best, the best best. Best, 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 best.
0: Okay,
1: Sugarman fairy. I read the news today,
0: oh boy. About hello, 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 and welcome to Best of the Best podcast with myself, Connor Keys, uh, alongside me as always, Mister Ronan Mullen, Billy Shears bloody shears live in in, in the flesh uh we are back this week sounding a wee bit fresher than we did last time we do apologize um a lot of flame floating about nobody noticed nobody gave a fuck
1: we did say but in fairness nobody criticized it so i think we sounded
0: our our best we sounded sexier than normal hey everybody (laughs) watch the sopranos yeah (laughs) (laughs) so yes we are here today with a music uh, album which is the Beatles' *Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band*? Um, oh boy. A, a seminal classic, um, one of the greatest albums of all time, uh, according to most people.
1: A lot of people.
0: A lot of people but have it in uh, definitely in the top five, top ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to give a wee bit of. We don't really need to give background to the Beatles. Um, no, we don't. But we will sort of. Uh, We need to take in maybe the context as always very key in this especially when we do classics you have to think of the context we have to think of the time
1: well what a lot of people and to be fair i don't know what you're like but i drift in and out of the beatles Mm -hmm. and the timeline sort of skews i i think the beatles lifetime lifespan is about 50 years it's not it's about eight yeah um their first album came out in 1963 their final album came out in nineteen seventy. Yeah, there's thirteen of them. <laughs> yeah, you can do the math there. Uh-huh. Uh huh. In that time, the whole world changed, and with their influence or not, uh, a lot was going on. But um, what what we seem to what we seem to grasp here, it's really hard to figure out how. Right, th- this from this album, right? So you're talking in nineteen sixty seven. Sixty seven, yeah. So from nineteen sixty seven, the between 1967 and 1970... The Beatles released Sgt. Pepper's Magical Mystery Tour, The White Album, Yellow Submarine, Abbey Road, and Let It Be.
0: Now, <laughs> people that say there's no benefit to not touring.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's exactly where it was going. See when you've time in your hands. Yeah. look what you can do. <laughs> and you go at the house. <laughs> you need to just Give get that, that fuck fucking out. stream.
0: <laughs> I don't, don't want to go home. I don't want to go home. Uh, yeah, and that, I mean that's quite a uh, that's quite an output. It uh, is in it, a short and, space of time. And
1: to give it a bit more sort of credence, between sixty three and the release of this album, there was just as seminal albums, but in in the genre of pop. Yeah, and there were a wee bit more now, not including Rubber Show and Revolver, which were a wee bit more advanced. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they had already changed the word by the time they've got the Sergeant Pepper.
0: Well, you had a very key point there. I mean, pop mm-hmm. is is what they were they were a pop band because pop the band. word rock wasn't this is a game we're talking about context yeah rock wasn't used no nope. it was only starting to be used in 67 yeah. onwards um up until that even the previous year hendrix was playing at the the monterey pop festival yeah, yeah. it wasn't a rock festival no, 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 so rock wasn't a word that was being used um well it was just popular music
1: pop yeah, was popular was pop. just whatever genre it was it fitted into popular music so
0: uh, so this is when it started to change then. You could see bands heading towards yeah. that uh, new genre, if you want to call it, of the rock.
1: Well, they said it all pretty much changed when 64, um, 65, uh, Bob Dylan met them <laughs> and gave them a fucking shitload of weed. Yeah. I and see. they all went As into this, Bobby this uh, highfalutin New York uh, hotel, which was being bombarded. I think so. they said there was like 20,000 voicemails left <laughs> uh, and phone calls, etc. Uh in the two days that the Beatles were in the hotel. So this is Ed Sullivan. This is them, the biggest thing on earth. Mm-hmm. This is John Lennon just about to announce they're bigger than Jesus. Yeah. Sort of lunacy. Mm-hmm. And Bob Lennon gives them a joint and they all get freaked out.
0: Bob Dylan even? Bob Lennon?
1: Bob Lennon. Bob Lennon. <laughs> Bob Bob John's brother. <laughs> John and the uncle. And uh, Dylan... Then takes no credit for it, walks away, and the Beatles release Rubber Soul, Revolver, Sergeant Pepper, Major, and yeah. it all just starts to flow. It starts to f-
0: literally flow out <laughs> flow. of there. Flow, uh, yeah. And and I mean you, that the influence of some of those uh, external people, especially in the American sort of mm-hmm. the Ginsburgs and all that sort of thing, the sort of big poets yeah. and stuff. They they can think, as well as then the Eastern, the Eastern sort of uh, philosophical stuff with the with uh, the Maharishi
1: and Ravi Shankar.
0: Ravi Shankar and who uh, has the
1: coolest guitar,
0: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and Harrison with his love for the sitar. Uh, so I mean, all this is sort of co- is coming to the culmination, which is Sergeant Pepper's. Uh, the the influence that's that's gone through them all. Um, they've decided to to bring all those influences into one pot. Yeah, um, because this is the first thing. This is the other thing. Again, we talk about um, the time and the era. Albums weren't really thing. No. Albums were built around the singles that had been released Mm -hmm. there were singles that were being released and then you had an album around it and I don't know if this is the first concept album if you want to call it that but it was up there with being one of the very.
1: It's not the first but it's the first that uh, pulled together the themes the cover art Mm -hmm. the content. Lennon has famously said any of my songs had nothing to do with Sgt Pepper or the theme so it's not technically a concept album. Mm hmm. But it was sold that way and sold very successfully. Mm. Um, but, but, I mean, there was others. There, there's there's ones that, there's no one, that's good, but there's ones that have a common thread from the, the, the four, four vinyl <laughs> collections, <laughs> yeah. like
0: Yes and, yes.
1: and Rush, mm-hmm. uh, but they were nowhere near as good. But they had a common theme
0: running from song one to the finish. Yeah. And, uh, and again, I suppose, in the idea of... The concept of a th- uh, a fifth beetle, if you want to call it that, not Pete Best, but you know the Billy Shears introduction. The fact that these are singing about a new fictional character.
1: Yeah, they're singing from the perspective of a band that doesn't exist.
0: Yeah, um, which again was just had to be mind blowing at that time. Yeah, you know it was never been done before, and uh, you're talking <laughs> you're talking artistic license like <laughs> being used like never before.
1: Yeah, well, just to go back to what you said at the start, in case people don't know. The Beatles weren't touring from 1966 66, yeah. So this is what gave them the time to really work on this album. We'll go into that a bit more. But the reason being is because they played stadiums and they couldn't hear themselves. Yeah. Um, And they felt they weren't getting any better as musicians because they couldn't hear themselves play. The people screaming their heads off at them couldn't hear them playing. Mm -hmm. So it's not enjoyable for anyone. No. Uh, Also around the time... They were in Indonesia, and there was a lot of incidences that happened. They didn't turn up for the, the president or king or whatever the hell it was. At his mm-hmm. name. And there was a backlash where they had to get like thousands of cops around them because they were going to get killed. Yeah, And they went, this isn't enjoyable no. in any way. And then the Jesus Christ thing where John Lennon yeah, and that, said that and they were bigger than Jesus Christ. But he said it in an interview to an English newspaper, yeah. and it took months. It hit America,
0: and Americans were burning albums and... The Bible Belt Well, went, That's just went not, crazy. Yeah. Um, and it, Who could enjoy that? And he, he he did clarify in later interviews to say yes. what I was saying at the time was younger people were turning to us more than they were to religion, which and he was completely... He meant in England? In England, but he was completely right. That's what was Coffin happening. Was, they were more popular. Um, but of course then the Americans took it and, and uh, started burning the records. But again, we talked about this before. They had to buy the records in the first place they had to, buy to, burn <laughs> to burn them. Uh, you know, but... The the backlash then, the the lack of touring. I always thought it was them kind of being greedy doing the stadium tours. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I'd read that it was Epstein, Brian Epstein, the manager, was in it. And it wasn't him. So apparently it was the promoters. I'm sorry, not the promoters, it was the police. The police? The police. So the police had realized that if the Beatles had done what they wanted to do, which is to play the 10,000 cedar arenas there would be ninety thousand outside yeah and there was no way any city was going to be able to control what was going to happen mm-hmm. so they had to put them into stadiums that was the only way they were going to deal with it the beatles didn't want it epstein didn't want it but the police told them they had to Fuck. so they played the stadiums and then what happened ultimately was they couldn't hear themselves they couldn't you know that led to the terror so it was actually the fucking the popo but put the 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 kibosh and the turn Fucking, um, um, fucking Sting in the boys. <laughs> Fox Sting. Copeland fucking wrecking the joint. <laughs> uh, so, uh, to the album itself, then you've got... Um, There's probably a word that's going to come up a lot, iconic, but the the album cover, very iconic. We can start it with that. Um, so what you have is a, a, a montage, a collage of... Loads of famous figures from over the years um, standing behind the Beatles who mm-hmm. seem to be at a funeral. Yeah, it seems to be. But the original concept was they've just
1: finished a concert and they're taking a picture with the crowd who watched them at their first concert as the Lonely Hearts Club band mm-hmm. um, led by Sergeant Pepper. And it just happens to be the collages. A lot of people who are either... Major influencers of uh, the Beatles, or just historical figures, or yeah, notoriously they wanted Jesus Christ and Hitler in it.
0: Christ and Hitler is what they wanted. Yeah, that's the thing. the the The, the collection of people you see on the, mm-hmm. the final album is not what they had originally wanted. No, there's a lot of edits, a lot of changes, a lot of outtake, yeah. pictures yeah. as
1: well. About that you can probably find now.
0: And uh, so yeah, you had that, which. Um, sparks off anybody's interest because you have to go and find out who all these people are Yeah, and it does turn out to be something shady too there's a lot of uh, intelligence operators within that list for some reason Mm -hmm. that's another uh, uh, podcast Uh, but you've got you know Dylan's in there and you've you've different other as you say people peers and and people who they influence or Mm -hmm. have been influenced by Uh, standing with the new Beatles in their military tunics who are Standing next to the old Beatles with their map tops. And their black and white suits. The black and white suits, and looking very mournfully down at the grave. Uh, There are a lot of things, and this will come to this later on. um, There are a lot of things on that cover that don't make sense Mm -hmm. unless the story of Paul McCartney being replaced by somebody else was true. But. (sighs) but, Fuck me. But. I said
1: it to about five people. I said, we're going to get about 12 minutes, 25 (laughs) seconds in, and Connor's going to say something about Paul McCartney being replaced.
0: No, this is the thing. You've got one minute. Okay, go. He wasn't replaced. What? (laughs) Obviously, Paul McCartney is Paul McCartney. But the caveat is, I do believe they were all involved in purporting the sort of urban myth that he was okay that, that i can get with that yeah that, that, that i, I genuinely it. believe one of, after all the research all i've done <laughs> and that mm-hmm. you knew was going to come out i genuinely believe and right up to this day i still think mccartney's involved in it there okay. are because he's uh there's so much stuff that's too coincidental there's so many it's things too specific yeah there's very very yeah. clear, especially that album mm-hmm. so if you don't know the story of you can go and check it out Paul mccartney is what he's known as yeah fake paul um, so allegedly, according to the conspiracy theory, uh, Paul McCartney died in a car crash in 1965, I think it was, yeah. and was replaced by a new Paul mm-hmm. called Fall. And that's why Turin stopped. That's because people weren't allowed to see him in public. And that's what, this is what the, the, that angle is. And it just uh, happened
1: to coincide with uh, the the finding of, by Brian Epstein, of a spectacular uh, mimic of Paul Yes, in a are you better than the Beatles sort of competition where they found all these people that were performing as the Beatles and yeah. they found one who looked exactly like Paul sounded <laughs> exactly like Paul even though he was American I think mm-hmm, yes. he adopted the accent yeah. and became and if you ever hear interviews with Paul McCartney now spookily he sounds quite
0: American yeah but again there was one thing about the Beatles listen Connor you convinced me right and now, <laughs> now I have to turn <laughs> you back him back. The one thing I always thought about the Beatles was no matter what year, even if it was 1958 in Hamburg, you could always spot spot McCartney. Out of oh, four. Yeah. He just oh, was yeah. so distinctive looking. Yeah, he is. I sometimes in the early, early days would find it hard to find the difference between George and John. Sometimes in the yeah, very that's early that's photographs. Fair. But McCartney, you could always tell. Mm-hmm. So that's why I never, ever thought it was true. But I love the fact there were so many clues out there. And that brings us back to the album cover. Because on the album cover, then, you have the... The sort of words written out. Here lies Paul on mm-hmm. the front of the album. If you go and take a look, somebody has pointed that out online. Uh, you'll also see on the right hand side of the album, you'll see a small uh, doll mm-hmm. with uh, uh, the car that has been uh, crashed. Yes, with blood all over it and a driving glove all mm-hmm. placed on. You know, so there's all these little clues that are in there, um, and as we know, the album cover was so detailed, nothing was ever a mistake. Mm-hmm. So I, I genuinely believe it's what we call today as viral marketing. Yeah, it was perpetuated I think by it, them. They actually did themselves and I think they were the first ones to ever do the viral marketing thing of um starting with Abbey Road with Paul not wearing shoes. Mm-hmm. That was the first clue. Paul's yeah. dead. Everyone else wearing shoes, he's in bare feet.
1: He's wearing white. Yeah. So he's the priest and then somebody's a paul bear and some yeah. and George's in the back in normal clothes. He's just in mourning. Uh, and that's on Abbey Road, and that's Abbey Road. That's yeah. like two, three albums later. Yeah, so they're still at it. They're still at it, and yeah. this is
0: an yeah. album where they were fighting. Well, I, I tell you what, I, I the reason I'm saying I still think he's involved today is uh, the book called The Memoirs of Billy Shears, mm-hmm. which is a book by a guy called Thomas E. Uh, Harriet, mm-hmm. which is obviously quite a common surname. Very Uhariot uh, uh, Yeah, uh, it's a anachronistic book. Mm-hmm. you ever hear those things go for it and this is why I definitely think it was written by McCartney because if you look back at any of the documentaries or interviews he was a very very big man into words and wordplay and all that sort of stuff um, and codes so it's an anachronistic book which means that every first letter of each line
1: runs into a word. runs
0: into a word or yep. a story so you read you're reading the book but you're also reading these which is fucking mental do you want to see it when you see it in action um so that had to take years fucking years to write this book it's, it's mad um you can go and get it i got it on amazon and uh you need to see it in that version because the digital version doesn't do the the, the run of the in uh, the, the right order yeah yeah have right. to do the paperback um it, it annoyed me so much in the middle of all my uh search for this as to why these things were coming out thomas E. U. harriet i thought that's not a fucking that's not a name it's too dodgy so i went on to the <laughs> Tenterweb and got an anagram maker, and I typed in Thomas E. Harriet, and I came up with loads. Obviously, loads and loads of different things could be in, until I got to the Heather section. Oh dear. Mhm. And one of them was Heather is a tumor. What is an anagram of Thomas E. Harriet? Uh, (laughs) it's it's a very strange uh, very strange thing so I don't know if he uh, this was his subtle way of (laughs) having a go at her but um, there's a lot of things there so the book is available go and get that and you will actually uh, if you're a Beatles fan it's absolutely fascinating um, to the point where I genuinely believe it could only have been written by one of the Beatles because there's so much detail in there Mm -hmm. so many things but this is the book of Billy Shears who according to this book is the guy who replaced Paul
1: Yes, that's that's what I. This originally is where the story is, and this
0: is where Sgt Pepper leads in <coughs> when they're singing about Billy Shears. You know, it's were,
1: mentioned in the title track. Yeah, Sergeant Pepper's on the horse, but where they end with saying just the name of a guy, and the whole world went,
0: "Who? Who's Billy Shears?" Yeah. So, uh, so leading us on to that, so perfect times. So the, the opening track of of Sergeant Pepper's is. It's also the most expensive album cover ever made. Still to this day. Yeah, because they 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 went as well as the cover, they went um, full lyrics. Which is yeah, one of the first that's ones the first as well. The uh, lyrics and lyrics inserted, but they notes. also had like um, novelty. Uh, what would you call them? Novelty accessories that came with the album. So if you speak to anybody that got the original, there was a guy on a uh, documentary talking that he has the original um, album that came out in '67, and it came with like a. Cardboard cutouts of Sergeant Pepper that could stand up on your desk, and it came oh, with yes, a, wee, I remember seeing that. a wee fake mustache to put on, you know, like the the, the mm-hmm. band. But he, the guy was saying he kept his in, in, in condition. But, uh, Fortune. oh Jesus, that's worth some money. But yeah, so that was again sort of that you, you want to talk about. It, well, in the 80s, everything became merchandise in the market, and when it came to film, fun- this you're talking back in the 60s, it was being done already. Mm-hmm. These different accessories and these toys, if you want to call it that. Um, but yeah, so the, the cover itself <laughs> itself cost a lot of money, and then you added in the the uh, lyrics as well. So the yeah. production cost of it was quite high, and then the studio time. Well, they had
1: didn't they have like seven day, all day access for months?
0: Yeah, to Abbey Road Studios. Yeah, Which but it turned out they thought it was the record label's time. Yeah, that's not no, that's not the case. Uh, that's usually the case when they're up and coming first band. Yeah, uh, the record label are taking a gamble, but when you have royalties mm-hmm. already coming in, mm-hmm. the record label's like, "Yeah, guys, work away." whenever you want in, and you're yeah. asking Martin, like, you're yeah. like and you're, you can you, sell that if you want, and you're doing fourteen fucking takes of uh, uh-huh. the E chord. Uh-huh. You're going to have uh, as much time as you want because the record label's not going to step in. I don't, they they didn't realize that towards <laughs> towards the end, so it became very expensive for them to actually produce this album, but. You kind of see the end result. You you really do. That's why it's here today.
1: Um We'll it's get into the album in a minute. Finally
0: got the acclaim it wanted. Yeah, today
1: <laughs> we have announced. <laughs> that's it. We did that you, before in our podcast where we announced the Beatles. Yeah, that's now right. Yeah. We're, we're announcing now their album. Yeah. Oh, usual probably Oh, it'll be such a find for you. You're really gonna <laughs> like this album. So the biggest mistake made on this album was. Uh, everybody thought the Beatles were over. Beatles had announced not turn. Yeah. Um haven't had an album in a an near and that's that's a long that's time. A of long year. time for them, yeah. So uh what happens is the the media the and the music press start the rumors that the Beatles are over, like they mm-hmm. this is it. They're they're washed up, they've got no more songs left. What they were actually doing was just taking their time to write an album and building and building and building. So the record company are absolutely fucking beside themselves that they can't get a single, they can't get a this. Mm-hmm. Because the Beatles notoriously had a rule that if you release a single, it can't go on the album. Yes. So if you're going to put out Sgt. Pepper uh, and you want a single, that single cannot be on Sgt. Pepper. Yeah. So they fucking released Strawberry Fields and Penny Lane as a double, double a's a's A Double Oh. And it can't go on Sgt. Pepper. No.
0: They were supposed to be. They were yeah, supposed to be on Sgt. They
1: were, they, were reco- they were the first... Sorry, Strawberry Fields was the first song recorded in the Abbey Road sessions for Sgt. Pepper.
0: Can you imagine what that album would have become? Like, fuck away off, like... With those two tunes added to it. I would have broke
1: the rule of rules. Mm -hmm. But in fairness to them, they stuck it. They stuck by it, yeah. Yeah. And what happened was, uh, John Lennon wrote Strawberry Fields because it's a a kid's home close to where he lived. And Strawberry Fields is a fucking amazing song. So Paul McCartney went... uh, there's a place close to me that's uh, very special to me yeah. called Penny Lane. And they're all like, yeah, we know Penny Lane. It's a whole fucking area. So he writes that. And, and that's kind of what I got picked up on a lot of the new documentaries is what they would do was one would write a song. One would go, I have a song similar to that. You know, but he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so he went home and wrote it anyway. <laughs> so <laughs>
0: This is his love letter to Liverpool. We'll yeah, of it. course.
1: So the, this is the start of the, th- the theme they were going with was childhood. Mm-hmm. But it sharply changed. But they would put out two of the best songs ever mm-hmm. written as singles and they only then fired them onto an album later on down the line. but George Martin in particular said it was the worst decision he's ever made in his career to allow them yeah. to release them and not put them on the album
0: what two would you remove to make way for them
1: would you have to remove
0: we're going to make a new rule now you do if I had to if you had to remove two tracks from Sergeant Peppers at the moment good morning good morning a, okay
1: oh fuck <laughs> I'm gonna say she's leaving
0: right okay
1: because the thought of fixing the hole or when I'm 64 not being in that album is inconceivable to me yeah and the rest you can't touch no and I'm not it's, touching George I'm not touching George
0: Harrison's Indian fucking Oh the out oh yeah oh you gotta keep that in yeah so it, it would be fuck. tough but what you have to remove them and you have to remove too
1: and I just said it and it's out there now forever i <laughs> I do like them songs, but Penny Lane and, and, and Strawberry,
0: Strawberry or? Music, yeah. Uh, So yeah, we start off with Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band uh, as the first track, um, which then, as you say, it uh, they sort of sing into the, into the second track with "Announcing Billy Shears. But what happens is then we get the maybe the greatest Ringo track.
1: We get the Ringo track.
0: I mean, every album has a. If you don't know love Yoko, but yeah, oh yeah, of course. Uh, but every album has a a, a a sort of cameo by Ringo, um, where he sings. Um,
1: they write a song for Ringo.
0: They write it for Ringo. Pure Ringo, like in the fairness. I used I used to love the quote of it saying people would ask Ringo, "Are you?" Or somebody asked John, is, "Is Ringo the best drummer in the world?" John says, "He's not even the best drummer in the <laughs> Beatles." <laughs> he was
1: right because they could all play the drums.
0: Yeah. Um, But yeah, so Ringo got to do with a little help from my friends, Uh an absolute belter, Um, obviously a timeless classic at this stage. Well, Uh, what
1: was going on for that song was, poor Ringo would come in just to do the rhythm, so mm -hmm. he would just be doing the the drums, Um, and then when he's there, there'd be the odd tambourine needs hits or something, (laughs) and because of the way recording was done, we'll get into how recording was done in a bit, but... Because of how recording was done, they only had four tracks. Yeah. So, like, it could be John Lennon's vocal, piano and a cymbal going, Mm -hmm. all in the one track. And then they'd have to sort of overdub and overdub to something is lower than the other. So, Ringo was complaining flat out because he'd nothing to do. So, Mm -hmm. he'd be going home and he famously said he learned how to play chess (laughs) during the recording of this album. (laughs) So, the one time that they actually won them, they're like, Ringo, it's late, but we've just finished a song and we've all been working on... This song for you. So come back and sing it. and He was like, "No, I'm tired." <laughs> <laughs> this is true. He was too tired. But when they called him back in, they got him to sing it, and and it's a great song. And they got him to do the vocals, um, and then they finished the music after. But he would he wouldn't do the high note at the end. Mm-hmm. So they coaxed him and kept pushing at him, pushing at him, and then they give him a few wee scotch and brandies. And,
0: <laughs> And he hit it. He did. He got and he it. Hit, yeah. It was great. Yeah.
1: And it's a great vocal I think it's just so lovely. It's class. It's, and it's so dis- nice.
0: It's so distinctive too. His voice is so recognisable. It's uh, it's unreal. But um, you've got great as as much as it is uh, maybe up there with being one of the more pop songs you want to call it that. But you've got great musicianship on it as well. McCartney's bass yep. line on it is well, just top class. I mean, he's 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 creating an, a whole new melody by itself uh, harmonizing with the vocal it's yeah. mad like the, the bass this is, is really classing.
1: this is where the influences for sergeant pepper start to really shine because famously rubber soul influenced brian wilson to write pet sounds, pet sounds right yeah and pet sounds influenced lennon and mccartney particularly mccartney to mm-hmm. write the songs on sergeant pepper so but one of the biggest like for for us as i'm not a songwriter but us as musicians, you can understand how good Sergeant Pepper and Pet Sounds sound. Yeah. But to a songwriter, Pet Sounds had different layers that I never seen mm. and McCartney's seen. Yeah. Uh, and other songwriters obviously seen. As a fan, you can listen to both and go, just class. You don't need to hear all that. But what McCartney heard particularly was the bass mm-hmm. and the way it was playing a different, from what he, if he had heard certain songs and Pet Sounds, he would have went, I know how that bass is going. And then it didn't go that way. Yeah. So that's where he took his major cuts, and especially on *Revolver* uh, and *Sgt. Pepper*, you can really hear what McCartney's oh, saying. So what yeah. you're saying is bang on. He's,
0: yeah, and he has, and and I mean, you you lead on then. I know there's always been the debate um, of later albums of McCartney. Then McCartney being responsible for heavy metal. I've heard you that, hear too. that with *Helter mm-hmm. Skelter*. Yep. But if you listen back to *Helter Skelter* and you hear how the bass has been played, mm-hmm. it is metal. Mm-hmm. It proper as metal as you can see where uh, the likes of Black Sabbath and all got their sort of mm-hmm. influence from but um, and who to this day still say that the Beatles are the number
1: one influence yeah I mean are there, Lemmy, fucking Ozzy they all say the Beatles are yeah. where it starts and from.
0: and I think that's the problem sometimes you, you sort of they don't get the credit as much because it went so big I think and they were considered they a pop band yeah and, uh, and I also sometimes I don't know if it's the, the sort of nostalgic thing or whatever but mccartney doesn't get as much credit as lennon does but if you look back at any of the documentaries of the sound engineers or the producers they'll say lennon was a lazy bastard who didn't want to do anything Nope. mccartney was non-stop non-stop crafting and all time constantly was, changing constantly rehearsing constantly sort of when getting. they
1: took their notorious this is our three-month break before we're doing our album which they did pretty much for every album i believe mm-hmm. mccartney was always the one on the phone yeah. right we need to go and it w- he was dragging Lennon out of whatever fucking stupor or whatever mm-hmm. nonsense he was getting into, trying to get George Harrison out of India <laughs> and back home, and who happened at this time come home with more instruments. Yeah, which in <laughs> fairness, in this album
0: really, really works. Really, really, yeah, really do. Uh, and they, yeah. So I mean, I, I, I always think about McGartney, He he really put the graft and the effort. Uh, it's actually one of the one of the main uh, threads of the conspiracy theory. Of, um, I give it. you one minute. We're in minute twenty nine. <laughs> twi- you know, uh but and and but if you don't know that he was such a hard grafter, you wouldn't, you know, believe it. So what they said was McCartney couldn't play the piano. Okay. He couldn't play it for in, in earlier years. And then all of a sudden he was he like he, <laughs> That's what they were saying. So all of a sudden he was like, Here <coughs> would he hear this and then he plays Lily Madonna. <laughs> dun, and they're dun, dun, dun. like that's absolutely amazing. But you yeah. couldn't play the piano last year. Uh,
1: <laughs> And you've That's been on holiday a lot, and you haven't been near pianos.
0: Um, but I, I genuinely do believe he was just so talented. The work effort, you know, the work ethic he had. He, 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 was he was the type of guy who could come up with that in a yeah. year. He could get that.
1: I mean, it's, it's, if you look at the list of, I read a, a thing a rock critic said in recent years about Sergeant Pepper's, where McCartney took over, mm. and the Beatles from here on in are McCartney. Yeah. Now Lennon has wrote. A spectacular amount. Anna has George Harrison. Yes, Harrison's always there. Yeah, and, and, and but mm-hmm. McCart- McCartney from here on in is it's it's his baby, like. Yeah. And you really can't see in anything you ever watch about the Beatles. Uh, you might not see Ringo. You might not see George Harrison. But McCartney's always
0: mm-hmm. there. He's always there. Um. So we're going through, and and we're not trying to do it in order, but it's just as the way it's working. Let's but, do it in order. Um. You're talking then, "Lucy and this the Sky with Diamonds" next, which. <laughs> <laughs> Best not do it in order, <laughs> Um So yeah, you've got this uh, psychedelia, I suppose you would call it, before there was psychedelia. <laughs> it was like, it started to, uh, the themes and the stuff coming out of this and the, and the surreal lyrics and um, obviously the argument over LSD has been about for a long time a long time a long long time and it well banned debated. it from the
1: bbc didn't it
0: the bbc banned it because of that lennon has said in multiple times it Since, never meant that yep. it was just a picture um that julian his son drew he of, still has the picture of a gear sorry
1: he doesn't have it but it's it's still it's there, it's like, it's yeah. there they've all said they've seen it ringo yeah. george Harrison, Paul. they've all george martin says he's seen the picture yeah it's um, all based on that
0: and then you get the other side of the people who were there in the know at the time going... And they were out of their fucking face in LSD. It wasn't a fucking coincidence. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this was their safe way of getting the song played by saying, oh, it was a picture by you." <laughs> so it's a very hard to tell which one was right, but um, I love the fact that there is that uh, notion that there been myths that it is about LSD, and then they come out and go, no, no, oh my... My, my, my cub was in primary yeah. one there and uh, there's a girl called Lucy and, thing, and he, he came Sweet with a friend. picture and went, look, there's Lucy and this guy with diamonds.
1: I, and, and I remember we are watching this like '80s documentary, where Ringo had that fucked up hairdo. <laughs> they all had uh, a fucked up hair but 80s. he had the he had the they sort all had of, the Mel the Gibson the sort of,
0: fucking Lethal Weapon dude, George I, Harrison that the
1: real f- bouffant in the top, and, I, like and then fucked the fucked up back. Yeah, but it wasn't even a mullet, man. There was it's something just, else going on. Like. It was like a, just a one big fucking quiver, and then big fat ass rings and loads of chains, <laughs> and he's always got the, the fucking fingers clamped together like <laughs> Doctor Evil, and he's going, "What did he say?" He said, "I, I remember, you you know how children draw." There is no ground. They are in the the sky. And i was going, he's out of his fucking head now. <laughs> he's in the fucking He's trying sky. to justify it's <laughs> not about drugs while on drugs. And, but the beauty of it is, regardless of what's it about, um, it's one of the best compositions of a song. Yeah. On the album. Absolutely. And yeah. the way that George Martin described it was, the way they shifted between the elements, the backwards drums and stuff, and, it was kaleidoscopic on its own. It's, mm-hmm. it, it feels sort of, you're, you're, yeah. if you sat down and uh, without any influence and listened to it, it sounds trippy anyway.
0: Yeah, it really does. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, as you say, not only just the, the composition, but then you get the lyrics and all the rest. But everything coming together does make it. And I think that's what I love about the two of them. Whenever they work to, you know, either working together or separately, you can tell which songs, which, yeah. you know, you know a Lennon song, you know a McCartney mm-hmm. song. And this is pure Lennon, like it just everything really about it. Uh,
1: it's a mighty song, yeah. It's and such a mighty song.
0: It's uh, I'm gonna say one of the most famous Beatles songs. it will be top ten, or top fifteen, maybe. I mean, uh, even without the why oh, LSD, eh? uh, Without without LSD, but the, for actual you know hook, chorus, that sort of thing, it's it's yeah the most mm-hmm. sing along one that you can get. Um, but even the start of it, the the, the build up to the chorus, yeah. I mean, I,
1: sometimes I forget about that mighty Lucy in this, a bit. Because it's so yeah, it's up, growing yeah. and all the time, like
0: and uh, and Ringo again plays a, a, a stomper like a stomper is. yeah unreal. And
1: p- people forget like f- and I not, yeah I I completely understand drum talk Oscar <laughs> um, I completely understand where people come from and that it is very basic some of yeah. Ringo but a lot of it isn't
0: a lot of it's not no I remember no. seeing him like teaching I think it was Dave Stewart from Uresmix he was showing him Ticket to Ride. Mm-hmm. You know, the intro that I could write, and your your master Stuart was like, I've been trying to get all my drummers to do that intro right, but none of them were doing it right. So then it turned out something. Maybe I'm wrong on this, but Ringo was left-handed playing mm-hmm. right-handed. Yep. So that's what gave him the extra wee. So he could open. A so lot then he told freer. your guy Stuart. Your guy was like, All these years, I've been yeah, trying. Yeah, I've get been guys. doing it this way, but <laughs> recording, he was, right. it yeah, way. Yeah, he was doing it that way. He was doing that way. So he was doing
1: it sort of free. So his hands weren't crossed. Yeah. And <laughs> like I remember watching him do it and going. Oh, because <laughs> I'd heard it because Ticket to Ride is probably my favorite Beatles song. Right. And I right. remember like thinking that's such a great sound from clearly what was a, a, a prehistoric to us recording. Yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah. And, um, but Ringo plays a blinder in this whole album. Yeah, oh yeah. And he was barely there. And he's barely <laughs> there. <laughs> like, he just turned <laughs> His up. His track went, was done when I was at
0: home. Uh, so then, uh, okay, well, Lucian's Guy with as we're going to then getting better. Yeah. Um, uh, again just which
1: has a great remember it's such a yes everything's just it's oh, it can only get better it can only get better and you hear John Lennon undergoing it can't get much worse <laughs> 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 which is which oh, is yeah. them two in a fucking bubble oh Google
0: in a nutshell yeah that's it and uh, but even and then this is this is sort of back to the strawberry fields thing and 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 uh, uh, we talked about it with Arctic Monkeys and other mm-hmm. singing in their own accent you know, Beatles were were renowned for it, um, and I remember seeing somewhere that actually whenever they had uh, the lyrics being put on the album, it was going to cause a wee bit of controversy because at least in the past, people didn't know what they were saying <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, you could with the Liverpool accent, the Americans especially. But yeah. now they were like, "Oh shit, we're going to be seeing every inch it's of decipherable this." Yeah. Decipherable
1: in its entirety. Undoubtedly-
0: um, so getting better was always my uh, go-to, apart from uh, Strawberry Fields. Um, I mean, you're Getting better. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, It's yeah. never actually, I wonder if we can play it here. It's never actually better. Uh, but even that sound there. matey, man. It's getting better all the time. I used to get mad at my school.
1: Can't. Teachers taught and this is the other thing too.
0: Like, really have to understand. Like, 67. 67, four tracks. Listen to the level. <laughs> right. Bass again. Yeah. On the ground. Can't get no worse. It's <laughs> That's <such laughs> a good like, one. <laughs> so, yeah, getting better. Um, but, I mean four track i mean just explain to non-music people um, um
1: the best way to describe it is four tracks are notoriously vocal guitar based drum so all individually recorded mm. now in a modern recording studio you could get 89 tracks on drums alone yeah which it. is fucking retarded but yeah. what they had was just literally a single mic hanging above the drums now if you wanted to hit something a bit harder or something needed to be a bit more um, forefrontal, mm-hmm. so say for example, the cymbal was a wee bit high, or there was say a tambourine playing, mm-hmm. what they would do is they would play the tambourine in the same uh, vocal tick that was going on. So there's somebody singing, it's getting better. Mm-hmm. There was also a tambourine going yeah. on on the same tick. So that's four tracks. What they did here was had two machines So there was eight tracks going, but still only four tracks at a time. (laughs) And they would layer them. So the fucking timing needed to be Mm -hmm. absolutely bang on, notoriously. uh, Even going back to the start here, um, on Strawberry Fields, John Lennon loved one take on one and another take on another of five different sounds. Right. And they layered them, but they found that they were in different keys and at different speeds. Course. So, what they had to do was slow it down, but slow it down to match the speed of the first take, but also slow it down so the key would just get that a wee bit lower and mm-hmm. it would match. Mm-hmm. And they figured out a way of taking the electricity away from the machine <laughs> when it played back to just the right speed and the right key and hit and record. <laughs> That's that yeah. and now you can do that in three seconds yeah. on an app on your phone. Never well, really.
0: that's, yeah, you can just do it in your yeah. hand. Uh, if you take a look, uh, if you get a chance, you can go and see the BBC did a uh, 40 years ago today, um, mm-hmm. documentary it was called so it was for the 40th anniversary. We're into now what 50, what 96, 752 years, Jeez. so um. But for the fortieth anniversary, the BBC did a, a got new bands or relatively new bands of the time, yeah, to come together and record uh, certain tracks. For from, reference? Ooh, <laughs> from from uh, Sergeant Pepper's, um, and I think it's the maybe the uh, Kaiser Chiefs. I think are doing getting oh, Jesus. You're not going to bring up fucking Paul McCartney and you two, are you? No. Did Ka- you? I just mentioned Kaiser Chiefs. Where the fuck did that come? from uh, I know you. No, you don't. Uh, don't, don't watch Paul McCartney so, and YouTube. No, don't do not remember. By don't Definitely do Please, not. Please, Jesus. Uh, if you go to no, the, the, what they were saying was they're used to using Pro Tools, mm-hmm. so the, the digital stuff. so That's on your laptop. Literally, do, you can do in your laptop. Yeah, and what your the guitar player from Kaiser Chiefs were saying was we can do fourteen takes, mm-hmm. and then like the guitar solo from take five. Is better than the one and take fourteen. We'll, we'll, we'll splice that out, and it's literally done in a second. Just move it in Pro Tools, and and it was great to see these new bands having to figure out how the fuck are we going to do this on four tracks? Four tracks. Like how do you strip so it way back recording. down? Yeah, because they were. This is the thing of this documentary. They were in the original uh, Abbey Road Studios and using, using the, equipment. the original equipment. Uh, I don't think I've seen that full thing then. I only seen the, guy, the performances. It's the guy, uh Jeff Emmerich, the, the sound engineer, is back yes. and he's there and he gives us a little sort of background to it. <coughs> but it was amazing to try and watch them revert. Uh which again gives you just even more uh credence towards what the Beatles have done.
1: Yeah, and but also this was before there were sound engineers. So the people that worked in these studios were engineers. Yeah. They were electrical engineers. They were electrical people, yeah. And were. the your boy George Martin was turning around and giving him the <laughs> Sorry, old chap. Um, <laughs> is there any way to figure out how to slow down old oh, Mr. Lennon's voice there <laughs> and maybe bring the key down also? You can imagine that boy's brain exploding. <laughs> how the fuck am
0: I going to do that? There's no way. There's no. no fast forward or rewind. That's it. There's, yet. No, yeah. there's no way of doing this shit. And that's the thing. I mean, we have to, like we've always said this before. We said it at the start of a context, you have to give that context to yep. realise how much of a masterpiece this is. Somebody produced us today, you'd be going, Oh, it's good. I prefer them. But you know, in your background, as you say, there could be fucking 80 tracks for the drum kit. There could be. If somebody somebody produce, producing that today on four tracks, it's just. It's impossible. just. Impossible. Mind blown. Um, so. And that's
1: why, and that not only is it considered a masterpiece in terms of the, the, the sound and in terms of the songwriting and the craft and the structure, the recording of the thing. I've watched documentaries about them recording it and I still don't know how most of it was done.
0: Yeah. That's it. It does be fascinating. It really is, um, and you can see why it took so much time. Oh yeah! Whenever you realize that all these tracks, all these layers, all these vocals, all these harmonies, all these different sounds, all had to be um, brought down to the four tracks, it was, it was amazing. Um, we've got "Fixing the Hole" coming next, and another great. I love that song. Um, and
1: <coughs> and it's it's the only song recorded not in Abbey Road. Right, okay, I didn't know it's that. It's according Regent Sound Studios. Okay. Right. And it was because something happened in Abbey Road where the, something needed to be recorded as an emergency, some sort of... Right, okay. And um, Regent, Regent Sound Sounds. I I got that right. Uh, and, and a boy called Jesus Christ turned up. Of course. To chat to Paul. And they had this sort of rule at the time where if somebody actually got through security and through the gates of Abbey Road and they got to the door, they would let them in because clearly the person's in a bit of... Mm. mental yeah. uh, health and, and dedicated and very dedicated but this boy was called Jesus Christ and Paul went to the door and goes I'm going to let you in but I've got a song that I need to do tonight and I have it in its entirety um, but if you come in you have to sit quiet and not say a word the entire time and apparently the boy did <laughs> just <laughs> boy, came in the studio, sat there and never said a word to anyone and when they finished they were like okay it's time to go home and he was like thanks very much and <laughs> he left so you yeah. got to see Fixing the Hole recorded
0: that's unreal with oh. all the
1: all the boys there like <laughs> jesus
0: jesus fucking jesus loves you uh right we're gonna we're we're motor on through these so i mean uh we're coming to she's leaving home which you would leave off the album i would only leave off the album
1: because it's it's mccartney's attempt at a lennon sort of way of songwriting reading the newspaper and he read about this girl who um that's right left home she was a northerner who went south to the summer of love in the psychedelic 60s and Mm -hmm and what they don't say about in the song. It's a great song. It's told from like, the narrator's perspective, the mother and father's perspective. Uh, it's a gr- it's great songwriting. It's great lyrics. But what he didn't know was 10 days later, the girl came back home. <laughs> it's in the newspaper. Also, what he didn't know was the girl he was reading about, he'd actually judged her on a talent competition in 1963 no on TV by right. The same girl. And he didn't realize it was her. <laughs> but it's right. a great song as well.
0: It is a good song, and uh, it's the only song on the album where uh, <laughs> there are there's no music played by the Beatles. Yeah, I didn't so know so you told me the uh, yeah. It's so if you listen to it, the, there's a lot of uh, orchestral music, um, strings and harps and all that. Beautiful sort of stuff. orchestral music. Isn't yeah, it? Um, but yeah, none of them are playing any instruments, so they just do the vocals in that one. Uh, being for the benefit of Mister Kate, brilliant, just uh, absolutely amazing. Based and on a poster. A poster, yeah. Word he, for word. Word yeah. for
1: word, not one original lyric.
0: Yeah, just read the poster from top to bottom. Yep. Um, and, I mean, I don't know at the time who Mr. Kate was, but it was a benefit concert for him. Being <laughs> for the but, benefit of Mr. Kate. Yeah. Um, what the first ex- uh, known
1: example of sampling on an album. Okay. Because they took the, the circus sounds at the end mm-hmm. from old recordings of circus performances in the BBC. And the sound engineer, again, an engineer, just but now a sound engineer, mm-hmm. was told out of like 20 of these, he had to make one second cuts from each and put them together to sound like what you hear. And Lennon notoriously told George Martin, I want to smell the sawdust. At least to sound like a, a circus is going on in this studio. Brilliant. Right. And he wrote this song and it's a great tune
0: too. It is a great tune and it's uh, it's up there with the sort of the, the madness you know there's, yeah it is it is one of the mad tracks you starting know to go back back. this could be on magical mystery tour no yeah other. easily yeah uh you can see where it was leading into um i remember there was another um again there's been so many covers of all these tracks um but i always wondered who could ever cover that one and i did hear eddie Azard doing a cover of it <laughs> very good actually yeah what eddie Azard does a cover of uh being for the benefit of mr kate and it was, I think it might have been that 40th anniversary thing again. There was some big, where they got the whole album replayed or recovered by different bands. I think it was one of them. He wasn't in that documentary, but I do remember listening to it. And uh, as only as only Eddie could do, he did do justice, in fairness. Um, but I don't know if anybody else could ever cover it. He had to go down a more sort of spoken word type yeah, route. Yeah. In with, yeah, but, um, okay, so then uh, after Mr. Kate flies off, <laughs> oh Jesus! The big top. <laughs> Within you, without you. Um. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is where it gets groovy. This, yeah. Um. Will we will we play? We fucking right. We shampoo. Play the whole room. thing. Fuck this. This is an r two r podcast. <laughs> oh, there's a Maharishi? Holy fuck! And I mean. This is a... Man, you don't hear this? No. That's what I going to say. he didn't at the time, I still no. don't. No. No. you still have to remember four tracks. Four tracks.
1: We were talking About the space
0: between us
1: now, I'm just going to say to you,
0: a big, a big, dirty reefer. bluffers flat. And that tune. And I would also, only imagine, I can only imagine it will be good. I would never know. I can't. I wouldn't the broadcast. Indian
1: drumming I can't follow. It's it's impossible to me. Yes. Yeah, the, the, the way those drums are played. And if you follow the vocal line in that song, it's real hard to find a rhythm. Mm-hmm because but, of the way, that's the way the Indian yeah. songs are sung in that sort of way. I hope I'm not being disrespectful. No, either, no, it, it seems I, to be I, like, I yeah. It, it's really, it's such a different, it's not a, it's not a Western rhythm. No. Uh, you, yeah. you can't, and that's a great, because this is the first uh, instance, people say in the 20th century, of world music being played to a lot of people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and what that's they a did, great, that's the, such yeah. an amazing oh, thing. Like, I mean, the platform they give that, that uh, even those instruments. Yeah. You get people in fucking Buttfuck, Texas. <laughs> uh, going, damn boy, that 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 thing sounds a little. different. I don't I just want, want to he see somebody like from Calvin. From Calvin
1: again. <laughs> I want to see somebody's face in 1967 well, in not, Botfuck, Texas as you described <laughs> it. Going, just hearing. Put on some of those old Beatles. We've uh, <laughs> we've forgiven them for the Jesus Christ, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> we are turkey, you imagine fucking Cletus? <laughs> God damn
0: it! Turn that shit off, boy. This is Andy jesus
1: <laughs> It was, but it's such a it's such a fucking mighty bit. Yeah, and a great album,
0: and a great album. And again, it's back to that Eastern philosophy that was completely alien to to the West. Um, Buddhism was, you but, know, it was it was yeah. there, but it wasn't. To, to, as I say, whenever you get a band like that, who are absolutely global like it's not even just like we pocket the world they are across the world yeah um that was an amazing uh amazing thing for them to do I don't, I don't know what benefit they got out of it i know they said the meditation thing helped them stuff but um i definitely know the Maharishi got a lot of benefit out of it he got a lot of a, a lot of followers and a lot of um publicity i think a lot of like a, not shortly after again because the
1: timeline is so short shortly after they had to say yeah, yeah we don't we don't do that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> because so many people are like, what about India? What what's going on with India? And they were like, Man, it's it's something spiritual and deep to me. I don't yeah. I don't want to discuss it that. with yeah, you. It's not we, political. You, yeah. you just want to make it political, exactly.
0: Yeah. Uh okay, so then we're on to uh A Lovely Little Ditty. One M sixty four. that's right. that's
1: one of my favourite songs.
0: It's just it's so lovely. Yeah, it's mighty. Yeah, there's it's such just...
1: a great vibe about the whole, uh-huh. but it's such a Paul song.
0: Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I don't know what that is, is there a word that de- describes a Paul song, but there's just, a, it's not. Pop, no, because there's because
1: there's Let It Be and Hey Jude as well. Yeah. They don't sound like this.
0: No, but there's something about this, and that's uh, you'll, definitely this, and then the, the, the part of them, the day in the life, you can see the sort of, the yeah. definite commonality there. Uh, and, um, and
1: it's just about as that. Yeah. Um, but he was his dad's birthday party, and he was like, Am I gonna be well, treated like this when I am sixty four?
0: So yeah, and that's the thing and, and and I mean it's such a a, a crazy thing now because he's obviously well past sixty four at this <laughs> stage, but yeah. um at the time it was just that a real insight into what English culture was at that time of mm-hmm. heading off to the Isle of Wight and it's not yeah. too dear and all that sort of stuff, real working class type of um aspirations. There is a story that whenever they came back to the Cavern Club in 63 okay. after the Hamburg and the sort of Germany um, trip, up when they came back and they just started to get massive uh, proper massive that they, they came and done a one-off gig in the Cavern Club uh, I think it was the last time they played there and it, is this
1: about somebody in the audience?
0: No this okay. was about the electric went off go ahead so the electric went off in the Cavern Club when they were uh, trying to play and only there was only one light apparently some sort of emergency sort of light was on uh, on the stage So McCartney went to the piano and Because Lennon had a, an acoustic the two of them started playing and what they played on that night was when i 64 Really? Yeah Um, The makings of it McCartney had just uh, been yeah, The bones of it. it Um, So it was back in 63 so it didn't really make it to the album then until you know They pulled riddle the, the woodwork somewhere oh. um, For 67 for um but the, we said again about the, the timing of this this was the f- like we you sort of briefly glanced over it early on about the summer of love. Mm-hmm. This was bang on 1st of June release. This 1967 this, yeah. 1st of June literally the start of the summer, came they the say, summer of love.
1: They say this kick started
0: all yeah, of it. All of it kickstarted started with this, yeah. And what I love is that the fact that you've got uh maybe in the middle of when they're getting ready for Woodstock and they're doing all this sort of stuff, and Summer Love the Rest, you've got these people singing this song about <laughs> an old yeah. couple caravanning to couple. White. <laughs> <laughs> the
1: Isle of Wight. Will you still lead me? Will you still feed me?
0: Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. Just like so it really is. It's such a lovely song. Um, and
1: uh, and again, it's, structurally, it's gorgeous. It's I was such a say, brilliant it's, it's, such
0: a, it's such a weird... Uh, what would you? call The tempo of it is quite. It's yeah, just. It's so sort of like meandering. Poppy, yeah, yeah, it's a sort, sort, sort of. of there's no threat to it at all. Like, yeah. No,
1: it's 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 a lovely song, but it's also, uh, like, <laughs> right after a fucking eastern hymn to like, <laughs> Hi, that's it, That's where yeah. do you, like? As much as this album is thought of as, this is a great album of songs, and 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 people see a theme in it. I don't really, but, uh, it it's it's such a great announcement of. We don't want to fucking do what you want to do anymore. Yeah, we're going to do what we want to do, and then when we do that, you're going to really be blown away. But just give us time to do it. And there's a great quote by McCartney, and there's like the Beatles are done. The Beatles are done. He's sitting, rubbing his hands, going, "You don't even know what the fuck's coming,
0: like." <laughs> yeah, and It's really, and we, we're not even getting to the final track yet. So yeah, uh, exactly. We're so we're we're, we're hammering on through. Uh, lovely Rita.
1: METER MAID!
0: <laughs> again, back to the METER! Great, and it's just, it's just about,
1: literally, it, and again, people talking about psychedelia and things, it's, it's such an album full with just people reading the paper or yeah. stuff that happened up the street. That's mm-hmm. literally, That's uh, Paul wrote, wrote about a fucking meter maid yeah. that was That's kept putting uh, the tickets in his car up the road when they were in Abbey
0: Studios. That's all it is. That's it. Simple as that, but you're, again, as, as does happen. And this is the thing, I can't imagine the Beatles being as big today. I can't imagine, like in today's world of social media and all the rest, if the Beatles came with that impact, because the the digging for meaning in these songs that was happening in the sixties, yeah, was massive. Mm-hmm. Imagine what it would be like today, awesome. where every fucking syllable will be like, "Oh, what's he trying to say there?" Yeah. You know, and every, um, because at that stage they they genuinely, as you say, they were just finding stuff in the paper, but then yeah. the general public were like, "Oh." That's, that means this. And yeah. it was totally not. What I, thought. Didn't, so, didn't uh, I, I have a, a, a good example of that later on for the final track. There there's okay. a the mention of it. Um, good morning, good morning. Yeah. Um, one I didn't like. One, yeah. Two years I'm, ago. Uh, it's, it's, mm, yeah, I could, if I had to choose one of my two to get, uh, I'd, I would be there with that but one as well.
1: What I found was I was just getting pissed off by the start. And then I realized later on, um, it's a literally taken from an advert for cornflakes.
0: Right. Ah. Good
1: morning. Head. Good morning. That's literally from an advert, and it was Lennon taking the piss out of suburban normal life. Yes, and the advertising. Uh, but lower. the 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 actual speed and tempo of the song and the structure is class. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you get into it, I've appreciated
0: it a wee bit more in later years. So yeah, um, and it's just. Uh, it- I don't want to use the word weak link because I don't think there is a weak link in this. But again, if you had to choose, strawberry fields. Anything, yeah, strawberry fields. Put really fucking happens.
1: Penny Lane with Good Morning, Good Morning. Yeah, or strawberry fields with and put one of Penny Lane
0: and strawberry. No, we're well, no, we not going to get. No, we can't them. get into that. No, everybody's going to get upset. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so then we come to the the sort of penultimate track of the album, um, which is Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Reprise. Yep. Um I love the reprise I think it's. Uh, I think it's proper sign of rock appearing yeah. on the side yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and the 100%. word of that the, the word rock actually appearing uh they i mean you, you sort of have to talk about the the level of it's not that different to obviously it's a reprise so it's mm. it's it's a it's a follow-on from the first track but the sound they make on this nice. um Bunkers. um will we play it won't we i yeah, mean the yeah. sound they the sound they sort of get on this and especially even ringo on the drum beat he's given us because mm-hmm. it's again we hear this drum beat now all the time but at the time it was it was quite to One, two, three, four. just the sound of those drums yeah Harrison's, George Harrison's having a fucking fatal day on the guitar. Sergeant
1: so
0: this was like, I suppose, Sergeant like we say, this was the the rock version.
1: Um, yeah, there's a good story about that song. Go when it came out, uh, Jimmy Hendrix learned it and played it live.
0: Yes, that that I version. Was, I was gonna say that there was, but it was like. But Lennon, Two days after I, the album I, came out. He, was, he, yeah.
1: he learned it and then handed it to the band half an hour before they played and went, just play this beat and I'll go fucking boogaloo. I know the rest. Yeah. And it's lethal. The sound, it's fucking it's, lethal. It's great version of it. And there's a great And list. Lennon, or McCartney and Ringo maybe, or McCartney and George are in the crowd as well as Eric Clapton. And they hear their song played live for yeah. the first time at a gig where they were just going to let loose. We've just released the biggest album yeah. ever. We're just going to let loose. Yeah. And the uh, first song uh, is their song. It's their song. And
0: then the, McCartney was famously said about how he just was over the moon that somebody as heavy, yeah. as heavy uh, of, of guitar rock at uh, that stage uh, as Hendrix was taking his, you mm-hmm. know, because he's a songwriter and, yeah, and it's ultimate compliment. Uh, and this is, yeah, this is the version. So Hendrix has a great version out there. It used mm-hmm. to be floating about the Limeware, but I don't know where it is now. Very <laughs> um, So it leaves us to our f- the final track. Yeah. A day in the life um heavily regarded as maybe the best track on the album um, I, think it's, I think it's one of the finest songs ever written yeah it's uh, i mean it, it, it there's so many elements to it it's how like, it
1: came together i'm f- it's it's bewildering
0: uh yeah so I mean ultimately we we when we talk about lennon and McCartney, this is the ultimate example of mm-hmm. um the two sides, so you've got um starting off the first couple of verses with John Lennon um, singing in his as unique way as he always does. But um, the lyrics as well back to the whole thing about sort of reading the newspaper. Yeah, <laughs> that's where a lot of the, the, the lines came from. And then you have the breakdown in the middle. Where well,
1: you have the orchest- orchestra fucking orgasm. They call it yeah. building up to what you don't know what the fuck's about to happen. And it's not a long song. No, but this this appears out of the blue. And then another song starts which is a completely different song that Paul wrote, mm-hmm. which just happens to fit perfectly in between Lennon's song, mm-hmm. which we get back to...
0: At the end, <laughs> yeah.
1: ...with another orchestra. It's fucking...
0: Everything, yeah. everything. If bad, it, was it was made was,
1: five yeah. years later, it would have been a 19-minute opus. Yeah. Oh, uh, the door special. And, and it yet, would have been yet. ridiculous.
0: So it's, it comes in at 5.31, and uh, that's all in. And, uh, I mean... you. you this is back to what I talked about in regards to reading the papers. You've got the sort of lines about um, how many holes it takes to fill the, the Albert, Albert Hall.
1: 4,000 or, 4, or 8,000 holes or 4,000 and potholes it was about. Yeah. In, in
0: Blackburn. Blackburn, Lancashire. And it was, so, yeah, so he had literally read a, an article yeah, it was about... it. it was beside <laughs> yeah. an
1: article of about a car crash of a person they knew who was the heir to the Guinness uh, who who died in a car crash. And then he just looked over and there was a thing about potholes in Blackburn. Yeah. And I mean, that's a nice lyric.
0: Yeah. Um but again the public read it into being four thousand needle holes. Yeah, it was about heroin. But heroin in the Albert Hall. <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> potholes, but they're close enough. Uh so then yeah, and, and you've got that sort of finishing. I mean we can uh I don't know if we can uh, play the end. We'll play the end. We'll play we? the start. You heard Let's that? At the start, so we'll play the end. We'll play the end. Uh yeah, so the start you would have heard John come <laughs> on with his sugar plum fairies counting um i'm trying to see now if we can get this is the start of the. this is the end start of the end so musically what's happening here i thought it's an orchestra uh, an orchestra but i thought it was uh play whatever you want but it's not so i found out then they were told to play every single note they're in the key of g Build it the whole way up to there. So that is them finishing on the E major chord. Nine pianos. Yeah. Four tracks. And you have to really listen. They let it go and they yeah, sustain yeah. it. To the point where if you listen really closely, you'll hear a squeaky chair, just like our podcast. And it's on the right channel, I think so. There. there that's go. Ringo, isn't it? <laughs> a, oh, somebody get up with the piano. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's there is me. A thing. I'm Ringo. I'm fucking Ringo. I'm <laughs> fucking Ringo. Uh, there's a, the story of that the mics were up so loud to get yeah. that sustain um, that uh, your man Emmerich, the sound engineer, had said, if anybody even so much as coughs, you know, it's going to blow our eardrums because they're up so high to get this. Yeah. So nobody's allowed to make a sound. And then just this Ringo, down. <laughs> That's also, in don't sit down, Ringo. <laughs> yeah. You fucking idiot. But again, the thing is, you know, technology that would have been snipped out or Slipped ground out. out and no bother. And they didn't. Yeah, you know, they didn't have to. In the same, this this
1: song, uh, I read a quote. A guy said that this song is the entire album in a miniature.
0: Yeah, it and it really up. is. It really is. Yeah, uh, and then it finishes with one of those. Yeah, the backwards thing. The backwards the, thing, which is the woman uh, saying that this is a wee bit after the end. There, I don't know if it's there. Is it? <laughs> No, that's uh, they. You see, that's it. Yeah, and there, this is what I talk about back at the start. Uh, they were famous for that. They were famous for putting loads of things in and loads of wee uh, hidden tracks. If you want yeah, to call that, if you to played, trip you could play things background or backwards. You could hear, you know, certain yeah. things and and uh, uh,
1: again in 1967.
0: And yeah,
1: which took a lot of work to do, <laughs> and it work just sounds like a throwaway thing. Yeah. to us um,
0: now. So there we have it. There's the the album in full, um, ending on that marvelous big E chord, mm-hmm. um, along with the gibberish at the end. But uh, again, I think the, 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 the like slat gibberish and all the things that were added in were always done intentionally. So yeah. there's something that they were doing uh, in jokes or whatever they may be. Um, go and take a look at the cover, go and look online and see about all the different little sort of clues and things that are put in there um, Come to your own conclusions as to why they did it uh, I do believe they genuinely were having the crack They had so much time in their hands, so much time yeah, to think, I think
1: it's, it, it, it does. It sounds fun, there is some melancholy in it, but it, it sounds fun yeah. Th- There's elements of it where you're actually fucking smiling yeah. um, Properly smiling along to the song and that's rare
0: it is rare, and yeah, and and for as you say, like if you go from um, within within you without you to one F sixty four, I mean it, the the, uh, the it's, mood changes so it, so it, it's, rapidly it's a, and so uh, extreme.
1: It's a brilliant piece of work, and it's it's typified by. There's a great review of it, and the guy says, like nearly everything the Beatles do, bizarre, wonderful, perverse, beautiful, exciting, provocative, exasperating, compassionate, and mocking. I find there's plenty of electronic gimmery gimm- gimmickery on the record before concluding. But that isn't the heart of it at all it's the combination of imagination cheek and skill oh. and that's what love cheek, of it. cheek but you can see it you can they're just yeah. you can see them all going what do you hear this uh-huh. what do you hear when they hear this <laughs> <laughs> it's going no fucking can't. brilliant
0: and that's what i'm saying about the whole viral marketing or subliminal messaging they definitely were involved in that and i think they loved it and got off on that yeah um i hope i hope i'm right and that when uh, mccartney shuffles off this mortal coil that for the, uh, second for the second time the second time that it will come out that he has been you know <laughs> kind of like the prince thing there's a vault of stuff somewhere it would be where, very very nice but yeah. i think they've
1: exhausted quite a lot of things and the anthology re-releases and yeah the new deluxe versions of the albums which if you haven't heard get them and if you've gone spotify downloaded it at its highest bit rate because it's yeah. fucking epic Unreal, yeah. through the tv yeah. but what you don't want to do in conclusion mm-hmm. is watch the 1978 bg's film called sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band no <laughs> sweet baby jesus <laughs> I alice cooper's I in it oh god steve martin's in it i haven't oh i haven't had the pleasure I must, um, is it a pleasure or <laughs> aerosmith play come together in the 70s oh when they're off they're fucking nut. jesus I gotta get a look at that um there's a lot of other beatles songs i said come together it's not on sergeant pepper but there's a lot of other beatles songs mm-hmm. and basically um the Bee Gees are Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club bland the, oh. the star of the show is Peter Frampton.
0: Oh. Well, baby, I Love Your Way, no?
1: And it's genuinely... Just watched it. They re-released it in Blu-ray a few years ago. Just right. watched the trailer. <laughs> One of the reviews was, I can equate this only to wallpaper. <laughs> in comparisons. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Panned isn't even close. Oh, my God. It's the biggest heap of dog shit. Mighty. But
0: if you haven't, it's on YouTube. Oh, we got to go and check. There we are. Go and check that one out. Uh, so, right, folks, if you haven't listened to Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, um, we would strongly recommend it from start to finish. Um, yeah, it's, it's it, Like the good old days, not like the Spotify playlist world we're living in now. Go and, and put it on from from track one. Go and buy it from Boneyard Records uh, in Noma here. Band. You can get it. Um, or find a local record or vinyl store near you and get it uh, the way it was originally intended. Um, if you can find it with all those accessories and accoutrements, let me know. We'll just give us a shout. Just give us a shout. We'll go it. Ha- we'll, we'll be interested just to <laughs> steal from you in South Uh So on that um, uh, uh, sort of um, confession of potential theft, we will leave you with uh, a goodbye from me. and uh, Goodbye from Lingo. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Bye.